0: I think one of the bigger obstacles was really just like putting myself out there and being okay with however it was going to be, was going to be okay. Like going for progress over perfection. Like you really have to, you know, employ that over a hashtag. Like it's, it is the real life, right? Like it's progress over perfection.
1: Welcome to Podcasting in Real Life, the Buzzsprout show where we dive into the real-life stories of podcasters in the middle of their podcasting journey. I'm your host, Travis Britton, Head of Content at Buzzsprout. And you won't hear anyone famous on these podcast episodes. Instead, you'll hear everyday podcasters, just like you, share personal stories about how podcasting has impacted them and the things they've learned along the way. Now, in today's conversation, I got to sit down with the host of Women Developing Brilliance, Casey Rossi. And what I love about Casey's approach is that she deliberately chooses to leave her interviews unedited. All the ums, all the mistakes, all the gaffes, they're all in there. And she even dives into why that has worked so well for her and helped her her develop a very special connection with her listeners. And her podcast is an extension of her business And so we even dive into the nuts and bolts of how she uses her podcast to market herself and how she repurposes her content to live in very different places with video, with audio and the like to help get more exposure and grow her audience. But KC started her podcast after she was invited to go on a radio show and fell in love with audio.
0: So I've been an entrepreneur for 28 years, and it uh, started back when I was 19. That's when my best friend and I began our very first corporation, and we had nine different businesses before our 10th one actually took off. And so the 10th one was a handmade gourmet confections company, and we did that for 17 years, and really had the time of our life selling chocolate to people and traveling the world. So that was pretty cool. From there, I really dove back into one of my original loves, which was holistic modalities and really getting more involved into the plant world, aromatherapy, and the mind-body connection. And then what I noticed after I took a couple certification programs in those modalities, I noticed that a lot of the people that had graduated really didn't have business sense. They were very skilled in their um, healing arena. But then when it came to presenting themselves, they really got stuck. And that's when kind of a light bulb went off for me. And I was like, I think I could be a bridge for these women and really help them get their message out and and introduce them to sales and marketing in a way that feels really natural and authentic to them. And so that's really kind of the trajectory of my solopreneur journey, but how I got involved in being more visible myself, right? Cuz that's one of the things we all struggle with is having that fear of getting a little bit more visible. And I really struggle with that like a lot of people do, both um having a fear of audio and video. And um I joke around that I had go live on Facebook for a whole year on my to-do list. And that's like literally no joke. Like it was on my to-do list like groundhog day. And I finally was able to press the go live button and just do it. And about six months later, I got invited on a radio show. And I absolutely had a ball on that show. And it was so much fun. And all my fear was dissolved. And I was like, I think I want my own show. And so that's where Women Developing Brilliance was born. I was like, I'm going to do my own podcast. I really want to connect with Other women at all different stages of their business, whether it's two months in or whether it's 15 years in, I wanted to have like real conversations to inspire other people that were just thinking about starting a business or they were already deep into their entrepreneurial uh, journey.
1: And I want to dig into a couple things, a couple pieces of that broader story, because I think it is will be really helpful. Um, So first of all, your 10th business took off. Most people don't stick around long enough for business number 10. Um, What was it about being an entrepreneur that you loved so much that you wanted to keep stepping up to the plate, trying to figure out how how to make something work, how to make something pop?
0: Absolutely. So I credit a lot of the persistency to my best friend who was really like a diehard and she is 24 years my senior and definitely um, paved the way for me because I was a teenager when I first started. So I was like, okay, we're doing this, you know, so I was just kind of following her lead. And it definitely took a lot of persistency and a lot of um, getting used to rejection because having those nine other businesses, one, we really didn't give them long enough to seed. So we did nine of those businesses in a four year period of time. Everything from exterior house painting to oil oil painting, she was an artist, to jewelry and so forth. So um, I joked around that like, if the 10th one doesn't work, like we're going conventional mainstream nine to five, like that's it. So, uh, but the 10th one did work and we ended up having, you know, a lot of success with that company and road reps and, uh, yeah. So I definitely think it was just having a persistency and kind of conviction. Like you almost do have to be diehard when it comes to, um, getting out there in the entrepreneurial space.
1: Yeah. And, and something that you said really resonated with me because I see this a lot in podcasting is people start something and they don't give it enough time to let it mature, to be able to make a decision about, is this something I want to continue to do, right? Because you do need to have a sense of you know quitting smart, not overextending yourself, knowing what the stopping point is, and then say, like, okay, I feel good about not continuing to pursue this, and I'm gonna do this instead. Um, but I see a lot of podcasters not give it enough time, not stick with it long enough to gain traction, to find their voice, to figure out, this is really what I want to dive into, this is what I want to focus on, these are the people I want to connect with, and so so I think it was really smart just to kind of sense that yourself, even from a young age, that, okay, maybe starting something every couple months isn't the right answer. Maybe I need to figure out what is one thing I can do for a long period of time to really validate it. Uh, I Absolutely. definitely see. A, I see a lot of parallels between your journey and just podcasting in general. And then also talk to me about what it was like after you went on the radio show to deciding you know, you wanted to start your own podcast and then starting your podcast. I know that's that can often be a tricky spot for people where there's this initial excitement, like, yes, I'm doing it, I'm going to do it, I'm committing to it, I'm telling people about it. And then you start to, like, actually start to put it together and it's it takes on a totally different shape and it's it, it can take, you know, trying to get over some of that imposter syndrome, that who am I to talk about this and, and who would even care to listen? Like, what were some of those initial obstacles that you had to work through between when you decided you wanted to start a podcast when you actually hit record and and publish your first episode?
0: Yeah, great question. So I think uh, with anything new, you know, obviously there's a tech learning curve. And so kind of going through that and just really seeing what the best practices are, because you want to put your best foot forward, you want it to look professional. So getting all of the, you know, nuts and bolts together and kind of going through your checklist. um, But that's pretty tactical. I think one of the bigger obstacles was really just like putting myself out there and being okay with however it was going to be was going to be okay, like going for progress over perfection, like you really have to, you know, employ that over a hashtag, like it is it is the real life, right? Like it's progress over perfection. I think what would have probably been even more challenging is if I was having to come up with like my own content right off the bat, I think that would have been a little bit more mentally challenging, like is are my topics going to be? interesting enough or like valuable enough. But because I chose to do it in an interview style, that helped me crack into it a little bit easier because I was like, I am a great cheerleader and all I have to do is listen well. And I can lift these other women up and what they're doing. And that became just um, a lot easier for me to just be like, oh, this is great. The attention's really off me. I can just focus on them. And so I think I dissolved the initial barrier to entry because I chose an interview style versus just me and here's my topic of the day.
1: Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of pressure off when there's even like a give and take. And it feels more like I'm just capturing a conversation I would have in real life. So there's not like a pressure to, you know, put on a presentation, so to speak, or have a PowerPoint with three points and, and really dial it in is like, I don't want to sound like I'm teaching people, but I'm also trying to teach people. It's a lot easier to just kind of record a conversation. Um, now, have you, when you were first coming up with people that you wanted to bring on guests that you wanted to reach out to, uh, did you have like a, like a wish list of like, man, it'd be really great if some of these people agreed to come on my podcast?
0: I didn't in the beginning. At first, I was like, how can I make this easy on myself? Like, I'm already putting myself out there, and how can I make this like um, as smooth as possible? So I really had um, just a kind of a, a brainstorm, initial brainstorm, when I was like, who would be amazing guests that are in the healing arena that would be super interesting? And because I had so many connections from the past, I was just like, Boom, boom, boom. I immediately thought of like 30 people off the bat. And I had such a great response when I reached out to them. And then I had a separate wish list of like the influencers and the big players. But I told myself, I think I need to get at least six months under my belt before I start reaching out to them, just from even a psychological level, right? And also I wanted to show some traction. I wanted to show some reviews before I reached out to people that had 300,000 people on their list, right? And then I wanted to be like, hey, this is going to be worth it for you too. And so, yeah, it's definitely been a process for sure. And like I said, I think the best way, you know, even for your listeners who are just starting out is like make it as easy as possible for yourself, you know, and go with what you know and who you know, and then you can kind of stretch your limits and your boundaries and reach out to maybe some of the more influential uh, leaders in in your field.
1: Yeah, it's really important to not bite off more than you can chew especially at the beginning when everything is so new and you're just trying to get your sea legs under you so to speak you know the 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 easier you can make it to get quick wins um quick victories is like all right just reinforcing this is going to be worth it this is going to be awesome i had my best friend on my podcast and it was so easy and natural because we talk all the time i feel like i can do this like you know figure out what it is that really helps you continue to stay motivated and keep moving forward and reinforce that over time. And so it's not like you're trying to start this Fortune 500 company and you've never done anything like that, but you're just taking these small steps forward and, again, focusing on progress over perfection. I think that's a great point. Now, talk to me a little bit about uh, when you are creating your podcast, it really does complement your business very well. And, and whenever business owners or people that are entrepreneurial ask me, like, what's the benefit of doing a podcast other than just recognition the thing that I remind them is it's a great way for potential clients to start to build a relationship of trust with you, right? That they start to listen to you frequently, they hear that you know what you're talking about, you're an expert, and they believe rightly that you can help them with their problem and what they're struggling with. So maybe talk a little bit about strategically how you either choose guests or choose the topics or choose the things you talk about on your podcast as a way of starting that relationship with people that could become your clients.
0: Absolutely. So when I'm planning my podcast strategy, I'm really looking at what is going to enhance my business and also reach potential clients. And a lot of that comes into play with the holistic arena. People that have like a do good aspect to their business. They have a bigger mission. Um, most of the time there's a spiritual component to their business. The the heart of what they do really is A mind body spirit connection. And I know if I choose my guests and it just has those super simple criteria that it's going to be a great, um, episode and it's going to connect with my potential audience it's such an amazing opportunity to also listen to where that solopreneur that I'm interviewing is, like what was their journey? What were the obstacles that they had to go through? Like what's their overall vision? Because that kind of inspiration is a way to teach through having that conversation um, versus it being salesy. And it really does, um, it exposes you to such a great audience and people that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily um, reach And so it's just such a great medium to just say, hey, like here's behind the scenes. Like that's one of the beautiful things about it, especially like I don't edit any of my episodes so people can feel that authenticity. And so when you're looking to peel back the layers and it's just like non-scripted, real talk, they can really get a sense of like, oh, okay, maybe it's not as hard as I thought. Whatever that thing that they thought was hard, you can break it down in a way like we've all had these obstacles and fears. And like you just put one foot in front of the other and break it down and get through it. So I think it's a pretty cool medium to just be super exposing and transparent.
1: Yeah, especially when you think about uh, when you try to remember what it's like to be at the very beginning of a journey that you're already 80% of the way through, right? Like it's it's so helpful for me being able to talk to new podcasters all the time because I've been doing it for several years. And so it's easy to forget. Like, oh yeah, there was a point in time where I didn't know what microphone to buy. There was a point in time where I had never edited a podcast episode before and was like watching YouTube videos to try and figure it out. Um, Because you, you have to remember, like you are trying to serve people. You're trying to serve your audience, trying to serve your clients. And so if you can do that by speaking their language and serving them and giving to them, the law, of recipro- rep- blah, the law of reciprocity is real. Got tongue twisted there. Um, and, and so it is re- a really cool thing when you're able to make a meaningful impact on people's lives just by being transparent, by being authentic about who you are, your own personal struggles. And then they see, okay, that's, that's a regular person. Like I'm not talking to someone who's putting on an act or I'm not listening to someone who's putting on an act. I'm, I'm listening to someone I can relate to, somebody that I can trust, somebody that I like. And ultimately, that just goes a long way, not only for if you're building a business, but you just want to make an impact in the world as well. No doubt. So one thing that you do really well is you get a lot of leverage out of your podcast episodes because it's not just an audio show. You also record the video conference that you do with your guests and post that as a video and you have it on your website as a page that people can go to. And, you know, I imagine there's a lot of other moving pieces that you use to promote your episodes and, and to repurpose it. Talk to me a little bit about the strategy that you use when you're scoping out an episode and basically like all the different ways that that content lives and serves people.
0: For sure. I am all about um, maximizing efficiency. And so when I thought about doing the podcast, I was like, okay, I'm going to be putting a lot of time and effort into developing this and processing it. So I want it to live in more than one place. I don't want it to just be on Apple iTunes as an audio file. And so I love to be able to kind of splinter that content in several different ways. And I also was like, um, okay, how can I also get um, some search engine optimization juice? And then I was like, oh, I can put it in as a vlog and do show notes. And it also allows me to highlight links when people want more information after they're like, oh, that was a really cool... You know, guest, how do I learn more about her? So I was really trying to think, okay, so we can do the audio and just do a standard old podcast, which is awesome. And then I really think too, because so much of our soul and our emotion and our feeling comes through our eyes, I also really wanted it to be video as well. And a lot of people are visual, like myself. So I was like, you know, for people that can, you know, when you laugh, they can see a sparkle in your eye. That's not going to come through necessarily in just audio only. So I really wanted the video aspect of it as well. And so, yeah, just really kind of looking at like the audio, the video, the show notes for SEO, and then being able to kind of even splinter sound bites throughout on social media to draw more um, attention or attraction. Um, but there's such great strategies that you can use. Um, from one of your tips, I'm definitely going to be employing more of um, kind of an audience building aspect per episode, because I think that that was such a fabulous tip. And that's something that I haven't been doing, but I will definitely start doing in the future for people to get more value to even some of the tips that you shared, you could break it down into a little checklist or a a printable PDF, you know, to remind them of the inspiration. But it also is another way to continue the conversation as they join your audience.
1: Well, and talk a little bit more about what you're referencing, because what you're referencing is essentially, you're trying to convert your podcast listeners into people that are on your email list. So it's it's a more direct way that you can keep in touch with people and continue to serve them. So break down the strategy that you're hoping to employ and what that will look like for your show in the future.
0: Absolutely. So say we're doing a podcast episode and we happen to have a piece of the conversation that's talking about um, an initial stumbling block, say for a solopreneur, on how the heck do I price myself? You know, I still struggle with that. I'm not sure, you know, what kind of packages to put together or, you know, if I'm even in the right ballpark for pricing my service. And so after like we're chatting about it and maybe exchanging some different tips, I think what would be really awesome to enhance that episode is to have a pricing checklist at the end, that if they want to learn more or just have a summary of all the different tips that we had on how to price yourself so you never have to second guess again, then all they would have to do is request that. And so it's just a way where you can continue the conversation. But also, a lot of people like something in print. So if you've given them tips, it's really nice to be able to print out two pages and be like, oh yeah, absolutely, this just gives it a cohesive package. I can go through this checklist and make sure that I didn't miss anything. I think it's just another way Way to have value, but like you said, also build your list and continue the conversation. Um, it's awesome that they're a listener. But how do you again maximize that time and continue to provide more value, build a relationship, build that no like and trust factor, and and keep it keep it going, keep the momentum going?
1: Yeah, and and I'm so grateful that you broke that down because whenever and and we're going to kind of shift here a little bit into the business aspect of podcasting and how you can grow it and really maximize it. Um, it's really important to remember that your podcast is kind of like your first interaction. It's the first place typically that people discover you, but then you, don't, you want your relationship to grow from there. You wanna develop a closer connection and be able to serve them even better, like you said. And there's only so much that you can do with you know, 45 minutes a week. But when you can kind of bring them into your, your full ecosystem, whether you have a business that sells products or not, then you're going to be able to develop a closer connection with them. And even if they don't buy a product that you sell, they will become advocates for your podcast, right? Because now it's something that they are bought into. It's something that they're personally invested in, not something they just consume, right? It's the difference between throwing on the radio and just whatever morning station happens to be on you listen to versus something that you look forward to every week and tell other people they they need to go and subscribe and listen to. And so some of the strategies that, that we talked about last time we were on the last time we were on the the Zoom call. This is this is part two. We had some audio issues, but say levy. That's that's podcasting life. Um, was this idea of creating lead magnets, and and essentially all of that means is you're creating something valuable that someone is willing to give you their email in exchange for. So whether that is a PDF or a checklist or a video tutorial, something related to your podcast that if they want to go further, if they want to go deeper. They want to learn more. You give them a very easy way to sign up for your email list to to get something valuable, to get that PDF, to get that video, and then you can continue to follow up with them. Like a lot of people will listen to a podcast for a certain period of time, and then they're not listening to it as much anymore, or they find a different podcast, or they get really busy. Like there there are certainly stretches for me personally where I don't listen to a podcast for a week, and that's because I'm doing everything else around Buzzsprout and, and fun things like that. But when I'm on somebody's email list, they can continue to follow up with me and they say like, hey, I'm here. I'm still here. I'm still trying to give you value. I'm still trying to serve you. And those are the people that I stay connected to longer and I'm much more likely to do business with them in the future. So I love that you're doing that. I love that you're implementing that. And if you have a business that your podcast is kind of strategically connected to, definitely encourage you to consider trying to create something extra In addition to your podcast, it's valuable that you can maintain a stronger connection with somebody when they give you their email address.
0: Absolutely. And I think just to dovetail on top of that for maybe more of your advanced listeners, I think once they opt into that lead magnet that's attached to the episode to also have an email nurture sequence put into place where you're continuing to augment on the value that you provided them, but give them opportunities to maybe hear it in another way or see it in another way, um, because we all learn in different, in different ways, you know, and it takes sometimes several, uh, most of the time, several times before people actually get it. So that repetitive learning style, I think, is very effective. So really implementing that email nurture sequence so it will make that conversation stretched out longer and give them different ways to look at it, shift their perspective, and help them learn the new information in more bite-sized ways.
1: And then break down for me what you mean by an email nurture sequence. Pretend like I've never touched an email service provider never set up an automated sequence what do you, what are you talking about what is an email nurture sequence
0: For sure. It's a way to string together a series of emails that you can plan your days and times after you've done the initial delivery of your promise. So you've already broken down what a lead magnet is. So you've promised to give them this checklist, for example. Well, we need to get them that checklist. So basically in your email nurture campaign, you have your first one that kicks off, which is the delivery email that includes that downloadable file or the link to your PDF and then from there like maybe a day later you can also send them an email maybe a couple days later you again would be expanding on what you've already taught them but also giving them more value and also taking a little twist on it I always kind of share with my clients like to bring in your personality and if you are like a funny person bring in your humor when you're talking about it like infuse those um, those pieces of your personality through how you're communicating with your audience. It's also another way to direct them to if you have a Facebook group, which again builds community, you can see how you can really make the podcast this integral piece of your marketing strategy. It's not your whole strategy. It's a moving part to it. And if you can do it right and connect all the dots, you're going to grow this big community that's just like um stair-stepped right through all the breadcrumbs that you've laid for them. And that's the pretty cool thing to watch this robust community come together. And everyone's kind of on the same page. Like you attract... People like you, right? So you're building this like-minded, like full-hearted community, and I think just uh, continuing that conversation in a very thoughtful way through the lead magnet and the email nurture sequence is a really awesome way to maximize on just doing that 45-minute podcast weekly.
1: Perfect. Thank you for breaking that down. And and if you have never used an email service provider, this is different than just sending someone an email through like Gmail or Yahoo. There are Softwares that automate this process. So you you essentially, for your email nurture sequence, you would write out five emails per se, one that goes out every single day, introducing people to different parts of what you offer, different episodes that you want to highlight, your Facebook group, a course that you put together, whatever it is. And then the email software will automatically send those for you. So you don't have to wake up at 6am and be like, all right, time to send five more emails. Like that's not you said it and you forget it and it goes on in the background. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and, and if you're interested in signing up for an email service provider, I'll put some, some links in the show notes of this episode. You can go and check out some different, some different options. Um, now, I do want to ask you about the impact that podcasting has had on your business. Because um, one question I get often is, I understand hypothetically that a podcast would help me either get clients or become an expert in my space or you know Im- impact my business in a discernible way what impacts have you seen on your personal business as a result of starting your podcast
0: i've definitely seen a growth in my audience but more over than the numbers i've seen increased engagement I see people that are, and I hear back from them that, man, this came at the perfect time. Like, this was the exact topic that I needed to hear. Or, I start my Mondays off listening to your podcast because it's so full of inspiration. And I work out of my house and I don't have a team. And so, being able to connect with other people and hearing about the solopreneur journey, like, it gives me enough fuel to make it through the week. So, that part really feels important to me, that feels like a massive impact because, you know, once you have inspiration, it's like it can then cultivate enthusiasm. And I truly believe once you have enthusiasm, you can do anything because that is so powerful. It ignites one positive move after the other. So those are a couple different things. But I think also it's allowed me to reach other people that maybe wouldn't have had an in-depth conversation. It's allowed me to even interview people that are further ahead on the entrepreneur journey that I've been able to kind of like, have this really open conversation and they get to share their best tips. And I'm taking notes with the rest of them. Like that part's been really exciting. And I think lastly, too, whenever you have like a title and a position, it does set you apart as someone that's out there and they're doing it. You're walking your talk, you know, and you are more in the leadership space much more so than just being a listener or an audience member, and actually much more so than just posting like a two-dimensional inspirational meme on your Facebook page. It gives you an opportunity to truly show that you're three-dimensional, you know, and that you have that human side. So it allows people closer into your personal space You know, and they can hear you, they feel you, they can sense your emotion and your authenticity. So it's been a great platform in that way because I think it's allowed people to have a deeper understanding of who I am and what I believe in, much more so than like a sales page on my website would ever, ever do.
1: And have there been any stories or instances of feedback that really stand out to you? Like somebody wrote something and it just totally made your year I know I've had those for me personally, and I always love hearing other people's stories. So, so I'm curious if you have any that stick out.
0: Yeah, you know, I I received some really great feedback like on a on a continuum, which is I'm really, really grateful for. And I think it's because the holistic space, like they're caregivers and they're super nur- like nourishing, like a nu- nurturing, which I really appreciate. Um, I don't know if I have one particular story that jumps out. I do know that I have received feedback that um, that they can sense that the episodes aren't scripted or edited. I have definitely received feedback where they're like, that's why I tune into you, because I love being involved and in just listening to a conversation, you know? So I would definitely say that's that's one thing that's kind of popping out at me.
1: Well, and even dig into that a little bit more, the importance to you that your episodes are not scripted or edited because when you first get started you're like man I gotta sound like super polished like I'm in a recording studio every word is perfect I gotta say it perfectly if not I gotta redo it 10 times till it is perfect but that can actually backfire on the for your audience and actually set you up to fail not only because you're putting more work into it but because you're shutting down the piece of yourself that's unique that's authentic and you're just trying to become like a like a robot repeating words so talk to me a little bit about why it's so important for you personally that your podcast is, is raw and authentic in the way that it is.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think because um, what I do and the type of women that I coach um, really it's so very important in our arena that there is this alignment of kind of tapping into your core and peeling off the mask and allowing your vulnerability side to come through. I think that In order to kind of have an integrity, um, the podcast match up to that, it really needs to be that exact thing. Like we don't have our masks and it's an opportunity to um, just be okay with not being perfect, you know, like all the messy bits that are in there and like you play back my stuff and I say, um, a million times, you know, and that really held me back in the beginning. Like, you know, when I did a few test runs before I started my podcast, I was like, I- I can't do a podcast, I say um too many times. And I was like, okay, well at some point um, I'm going to have to break through that mental thing that I'm telling myself because I would have kept myself from even moving forward and doing anything in audio and video if I allowed that to be true and halt my progress. And I think because the people that I work with struggle with insecurity, not feeling like they're enough, and constantly chasing this um, elusive perfectionism that in order to dissolve that Uh, I think it's really so important for them to hear women and their stories. And I mean, sometimes I'll even have like one of my guest cats walk by their screen, you know, and it's just like, yep, this is real life. Like that, that just happened. And people love that. Like more often than not, they're like, oh my gosh, look how cute, you know? (laughs) So yeah, it's just, I think dissolving the barrier that, you know, and especially in today's world with the glossy Instagram feeds You know, and and media is getting better, but still overall, there's just this aspect of what perfect is and how you're supposed to sound and how you're supposed to look. And if I can do a small part to dissolve that and allow people to just lay down the guard and dissolve that barrier, then I'm super excited. And I just feel like the impact was was really there and strong.
1: Yeah. And if I could just reinforce one thing to anyone listening to this interview, like you have permission to be yourself. You have permission to be honest and authentic and to not be polished and perfect. Like I'm giving it to you right now if you needed it. Here it is. You have permission. Because um, I think often that's, that's what's holding, holding people back. And, and even if I think about myself and my own journey, what has held me back is feeling like I need somebody to tell me it's okay. I need someone to reinforce that it's not the end of the world. And actually it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. Even if this podcasting doesn't work it out, like it's you'll never, you'll never regret being yourself. You'll never regret being true to who you are. Um, and so it's just it's just helpful to hear that, though. It's helpful to hear that from other people that are doing it, that are living it, and can reinforce that. Yeah, like you're you're still alive, still kicking. Still, things are great, hap, great are happening, and and everything's going wonderfully. So um, so thank you for that. Um, I'm curious about the goals that you have moving forward for your podcast because I know initially. When you started, it, it was about putting yourself out there, becoming more visible, um, you know, acquiring an audience, but also being an example for the people that you're coaching and working with to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You could do something like this in order to, to put yourself out there and to become more f- uh, front-facing, so to speak. Uh, but I'm curious, as you've been doing your podcast, what are your goals moving forward? What are the things that you're hoping it achieves? And like, what would be the thing that would get you really amped and excited if it happens?
0: Absolutely. So I would definitely love to grow my audience for one. And I also would like to set a goal for myself to put in more uh, topic specific episodes. So really where it is just me. And that is another kind of step outside my comfort zone because, you know, for the last uh, chunk of time it's been in this interview series. And I think that that's always felt, um, Safer on a personal level, but then also like, hey, it's still providing great value. So I think for one of my personal goals, it would be to do single episodes where it's topic specific, provides value for my audience, and also um, has more of an opportunity to be an educational, you know, episode as well. So whether I integrate that right in with this typical, you know, this uh, current model. Or I branch off and do a whole nother uh episode channel. I'm not sure, but that is one of the things that I've thought about um moving forward and really just continuing to make connections. Um, I love the podcast world. In fact, I just became a sponsor for another podcast in my arena. So I just feel like really kind of working together and 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 you know, it's interesting, but it truly is like it's it is community over competition. So really getting more involved in that female entrepreneurial space. Face and supporting one another, whether it's helping someone set their own podcast up, whether it's sponsoring someone else's podcast, or whether it's growing mine, I just think this is such a great platform for um, for business. All
1: right, now I do need to to follow back up on one thing because I I could feel people are listening and they're like Travis, make sure you ask this. So you mentioned that you just recently started sponsoring someone else's podcast. I did. Break that down for yeah. Break that down for me. What's the strategy behind it? How did you approach them? What does it look like? And and you know, even if you want to get into some numbers to give people a ballpark of kind of what your expenses are or what the the ROI is, that would all be super helpful.
0: Absolutely. So they approached me. It's a company out of the UK. Uh, they definitely have very similar uh, goals and missions as far as female empowerment. Um, the women helping women. You know, we really jive on a lot of the same. Philosophies, And I liked that aspect. Also, the UK is a new space for me. My um, experience has been with US and Mexican clients. And so I thought this is an, an awesome opportunity to get exposed to a whole new arena um, in the UK. So I love that aspect. Uh, also, I was really honored because you know they have a lot going on. Like she's been published, and you know if if I was to look at her from the outside, I'd be like, "Wow!" So I was super honored. Like this is amazing. And then also, you know, when she pitched me, she's like, "Just our introduction that we're going to even have a podcast has had a thousand downloads." And to be quite frank, I've never had a single episode have a thousand downloads. So I was like, okay, awesome. Like, this is great. Like, this is good news all the way around. Uh, so from a strategic business side, I was like, I'm gonna get exposed to a new audience. Um, the investment was minimal. It was, you know, under five hundred dollars. And I think there's like a small monthly fee. It was a six month engagement. So it was something that um I like having kind of A trial period to be like, is this working for you? Is this working for me? So it wasn't like a five year lease, you know, it was something that was very doable. And then from the heart side and the emotional side, I just really, uh, our mission and vision was very congruent and it felt awesome. And it felt like, you know, again, kind of living out that women supporting women. You know, I felt almost more that she was going to be lifting me up more than I was going to be helping her. So it was just, I really felt honored that she saw that I was a really good fit to be a sponsor.
1: That is really cool. I appreciate you diving into that. And if you're listening and that's something you've been thinking about or wondering, like, what are some ways I can grow my audience? Having your podcast or your business be a sponsor for a podcast whose audience is similar to yours is a fantastic way to do it. Especially if you're able to kind of feel it out, like you said, short-term arrangement, um, you know, figure out, is this working for me? Is this working for you? And if it's mutually beneficial, you continue moving forward. So it's not like you're signing your life away on the dotted line when you decide to sponsor somebody else's show. Um, and it could be a really great way to get exposure. So I appreciate you sharing that, that tip, that timely tip here at the end. Uh, but I've got one last question for you, Casey, and then, uh, and then we'll wrap up. If you had a time machine that could go back in time to the day before you started your podcast and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
0: I think that I would hire a podcast editor, not because the learning curve was so strong to do my own editing, but I think it would have allowed me like more joy and flow instead of like the little bit of struggle and also the time commitment to put it together because it takes about four hours to get it all together per week. And so I think being able to free up myself to do uh, higher leverage tasks or sourcing out those influential um, next guests and things of that nature, um, I would say that just having that seed planting in my head, um, that would be something that I would, would definitely have liked to employ.
1: If you are a female entrepreneur that's focused on growing your business related to holistic medicine, make sure to check out Women Developing Brilliance at kcrossi.com and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you wish that you could be featured on a future episode of Podcasting in Real Life where you're sitting across from me sharing your story and the things that you've learned? Well, you can. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes to submit your application. And then if you really enjoy this podcast, if it has become a part of your normal routine, uh, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review in Apple Podcasts. We just started this new feed, which means all of our reviews went back to zero. Uh, And so if you left a review in the Buzzcast feed, it would mean a lot if you could leave another review, just reinforcing how much this podcast uh, has helped you or means to you. And then don't forget to make sure And then don't forget to stick around for a bonus episode this Friday because now we're doing two episodes a week. And on the bonus episode, I'm going to be answering Casey's number one question about podcasting, so you don't want to miss that. Well, that is it for today. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep podcasting.